0: Well, good morning, church family. Everybody's got the family with them this morning. All our kids are in here, so we're excited for that. We have a family morning today. And since our kids are here, our awesome children's pastors, Pastor Steve and Pastor Amy, are able to join us, honor them. Yes. We love them. They minister to our babies all year round. And, uh... We give them a couple weeks off here at the end of the year so they can come into big church and you guys can spend time with the family. But we are grateful for everything they do, sowing the seed and raising up the next generation for God's kingdom. So if you would this morning, turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4. We'll be starting in verse 4. That's Galatians chapter 4. We'll be starting in verse 4. And if you would go ahead and stand for the reading of the god's word this morning. Now this is a not a traditional passage for a Christmas service, but it is if I could have told pastor John and Lauren and Beth everything that I'd written down and everything that was going through my mind and that I felt I was being pressed with by the spirit to preach on this morning, they couldn't have introd this sermon any better. And That's comfort to me because I'm just a person too. I'm insufficient. I'm not enough. But God does that so that I can see that. So I'm encouraged. And also, I know that I don't get up here and do this in my own strength. It's only through him that I'm able to do anything profitable. And uh, so this passage, it'll make sense as we get into the message. Starting in verse 4 of Galatians chapter 4. But when the fullness of time had come... If you are uh, okay with writing in your Bible, underline that the fullness of time had come. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And because we are sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. That's what Christ did. At the fullness of time. You can go ahead and be seated this morning. So as we think about the fullness of time, let that meditate on your heart as we get into this message. I'm gonna take a moment to pray for myself. And if you would, uh, if you would pray for me also. Father God, we just come before you right now and pray that you invade this church building, that you invade our hearts, that you invade our minds, that you come and do what only you can do, Father God. For those that are happy right now, uh, we pray that you are there in the midst of our celebration. And for those of us that are experiencing sorrow right now, we know that you're right there, Father God. So we pray for the balm of Gilead, your peace to flood minds and spirits and hearts And as John said, that they could wipe tears with one hand and praise your name with the other, Father. I pray that you anoint me with your Holy Spirit, with a a clarity of thought and a clarity of speech, that your word would come through clear for all, that you would prepare our hearts to receive from you today. Father God, it is only through the anointing of your spirit that this can be profitable. So we surrender this time to you and pray that you will move in a big way. We love you and honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. So tomorrow, a lot of us are going to wake up and celebrate. Uh, There will be gifts exchanged, meals shared, times of fellowship. But I want us to remember that what we are celebrating right now is the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, for some it's going to be a time of great happiness and, and for some of you It'll be a time of great sorrow I want to encourage you in that God doesn't want you to pretend Like your heart isn't broken God doesn't want you to pretend Like things aren't hard He wants you to lean into him And trust him And, and let him be your strength Let him be your rock Let him be the ever present help In your time of trouble and your time of need I want us to take a moment this morning and remember that we celebrate because of God's faithfulness. We celebrate because of his provision, the gift of salvation. We celebrate that Jesus took on flesh, being born of a virgin. He lived in full surrender to the will of the Father. He made atonement for my sins. He made atonement for your sins. He made atonement for the sins of the world. He took that punishment in our place. He was resurrected, and the same spirit through which he was resurrected is the one that seals us. Amen? I'll preach this morning if I get some feedback. He made atonement for us. Through all of Scripture and through each of our own walks, if we've been walking with the Lord for any amount of time... We can look back and see testimony after testimony. We can read the story of the Israelites. We can look back. As John said this morning, there's nobody more deserving of hell. I've been right there in that boat. And when I look back over my history, I see the times that he preserved me when I was a rebel. The times when he came and he restored me and and I went from being dead in my trespass and sin to being alive in a new creation. He has been faithful, and God will be faithful. Our God has been true, and he will be true. Our God has shown his strength and his majesty, and he will show it again. Stand by, believer. Don't lose hope. I know the hour is dark and the season is late, but he is faithful, our God. My God, make it personal, my God has and he will. But it's at the fullness of time. That's where we might have difficulty sometimes. We don't get to dictate the timeline. It's at the fullness of time. And he is perfect in all of his ways. He will never fail. He's proven himself in the past And I know he will continue to prove himself in the future. He will continue to reveal himself to those that seek. He cannot lie. He cannot fail. He has never known defeat. He is our savior, my savior. He came to restore our broken relationship and offer himself as a sacrifice so that we could have new fellowship with God. My God has and he will again. At the fullness of time. At his perfect time. He moves and nothing can stand in his way. Nothing has a chance to stop him. Stand in faith, believers, and wait to see the Lord move in the land of the living. As David said, I would have fainted. I'd all but fainted. But I waited to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God is seldom early. But he's never late. Can anybody testify to that? Has anybody looked around and said, there are no options. My back is against the wall here. We're undone, and God makes a way. He wasn't early, but he wasn't late, believer. He is never late. So you may ask, why is it important to remember these types of things right now during Christmas? Because our God is faithful, and he provides all our needs. All. Not some. Not he might provide. He will. He does. He is. He will do it again. Yes. He provides it all. Because Jesus, and Jesus was the single greatest gift that God has ever sent. He sent Jesus at the perfect time. So as we think about Christmas today, and all of the excitement and joy, whether you're in a time of happiness or sorrow, Let us remember that Jesus arrived at the fullness of time. Let us remember that Jesus rose from the dead at the fullness of time. And Jesus will return for us at the fullness of time. Seldom early, but never late. By the grace of God this morning, the sermon is titled, My God Has and He Will. Number one, if you're taking notes, He arrived. He has arrived. It was in fulfillment of prophecy that Jesus was born. And he entered the world exactly as it was foretold. He was born of a virgin. He was born in Bethlehem, the, the city of bread. He was born unto us the living bread placed in a manger, the place where animals feed and us, being rebels at that time, God-haters, scorners, condemned and rightly judged under the law, He came that He would be the bread of life for us, so that He would be the light that, that illuminates our path, not our runway, believer, our path, enough to take the next step in faith with Him. He was placed in that manger, in that feeding trough, the bread of life, that all fulfills Prophecy. I don't have time to tease all of that out, but I want to give you just a few points of reference. So if you'd like to read a little bit of it or you're interested in seeing how that is, I'll give you a couple passages. And John has taught us that fulfilled prophecy is always recognizable after it happens, right? When when Peter, on the day of Pentecost, they spoke in tongues and extolled God and exhorted others and, and told them of God's goodness and His mercy and His miracles. He looked back on that and said, "Oh, this is what they were talking about in Joel. This is what Joel prophesied about. Well, this is what they were talking about, what Isaiah wrote about Jesus. Now in Isaiah chapter seven and nine, just make a quick note and go back that later, if you'd like. Isaiah chapter seven through nine. There's prophecy given. There was prophecy that he would be born of a virgin in chapter seven. Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one, Emmanuel, God with us, would be sent. A son is given and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Read Isaiah seven through nine and it'll map it out for you right there. Now the, the crazy thing is 700 years later, Now, this is just a a snapshot of how Jesus' life fulfilled all of these prophecies. But 700 years later, he was born, and Luke wrote about it. And if you read in Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2, you'll see the prophecies fulfilled. 700 years. Does anybody know what was going on in this area 700 years ago? I have no idea. America is only like 250, if y'all didn't know. 700 is a lot more than that. 700 years later, when you read in Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel appears to a young girl, a betrothed girl, a virgin girl named Mary, and told her that she would conceive. Obviously, she's a bit confused about this, being that she's betrothed but still a virgin. The angel explains how this is going to happen, and Mary stands there in faith, On a 700 year old prophecy. So, if you ever think that you're walking through a long valley, the people of Israel got you beat. 700 year old prophecy. It had been 400 years since they'd had a prophet speaking the anointed word of God to them. 400 years. And this young girl said, Be it unto me according to the word of God. Standing in faith. Don't give up, believer. He's right there. And when the fullness of time had come, the angel appeared before the virgin and told her that she would give birth to the son, that his name would be Jesus, Messiah, the anointed one, wonderful counselor, prince of peace, Emmanuel, God with us. Angels appeared to shepherds in Luke chapter two that were near Bethlehem when Jesus was born. And they say, fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Say that with me, all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Don't overlook the significance of this. It wasn't just another birth. It's not a fairy tale. This isn't mythology. This was fulfilled prophecy that the one true God had delivered to us Through a man that was anointed to bring his word and the son came in fulfillment of that prophecy. This is no small event. When Paul writes about it in Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 11. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 if you're taking notes. He says to the church at Philippi, have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself. This is Jesus, the second person of the Godhead, has humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. There wasn't a more shameful way to die. The Roman historian Cicero said that Romans shouldn't even hear about it, think about it, see about it. They should never be killed that way. It is a disgrace. And that's the way God feels about sin. And Christ came and bore that penalty. But going on in verse nine, it says, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. This is what Lauren was talking about this morning. He came as a baby and he made the sacrifice, but he has risen And he has been given the name above every other name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth. That covers it all. Heaven, earth, under the earth. Every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He arrived at the fullness of time. Jesus Christ the Messiah arrived. Number two, he rose from the grave. He has and he will. He has uh, has arrived and he will come back. He arose from the grave and we have hope and eternal life because of that. And when Jesus came into the world in the form and likeness of humankind at the fullness of time, And when he was 30, he started his earthly ministry. He proclaimed truth and love. He healed the lame. He healed blind eyes. He rose the dead from the grave. They would die again though. He bound up wounds and he he ministered to the brokenhearted. But Jesus was hated. He was hated by the world because he was not of this world. And religious leaders plotted against him A servant, a sacrifice was not what they expected. But that's what Jesus came to be. He was the lamb. He was labeled a blasphemer because Jesus crossed a line. He accepted worship. He proclaimed that he was the son of God. So he cannot be, do away with this false idea that Jesus was a good teacher but not God. That he was a great prophet, but not God. A great prophet would never accept the glory and worship that was due God. They, they would fear and tremble at that. So he's not a moral exemplar or a great teacher, a good prophet, or a role model. Jesus is the son of God. He is either who he claims to be or he's a liar. Yep. That's, that's, that's where we're at. You, you can't You have to pick a side. He made a hard line in the sand. He said, I'm not of this world. If I was, you know, they'd come fight for me. And, and if I wanted, battalions of angels would come. He came for a purpose to, to be the sacrifice for us. Search the scriptures and see if it's true. Whether you're a believer that's been walking with God for 50 years or a skeptic that thinks Christianity's a joke. Search the scriptures. See, see what you find. See what is revealed to you. If you search the scriptures with humility and a true desire to find truth. Jesus took upon himself the punishment for my sin. He took upon himself the punishment for your sin. He died upon the cross according to prophecy. He was buried according to prophecy. And he rose from the grave three days later according to prophecy. At the fullness of time in God's perfect timing he rose. In this case, it was three days. Who's, who's grateful for the short valleys? We see Jesus die, lose heart for three days, he comes back. That's a pretty good rally. But sometimes you got 400 years of silence. Same God, still faithful, yep. right there with you. He rose from the grave, and I have eternal life through him. 2 Corinthians five twenty one. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For our sake, he, that is God, made him, that is Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus bore my penalty. He bore your penalty. He bore the sins of the world that we would be imputed the righteousness of Christ. That when God looks upon us, He sees us through the veil of the spilt blood of Jesus Christ and he sees us as the righteousness of Christ. For all that believe in him. Christ finished the work and by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we receive God's gift of salvation. He arrived at the fullness of time. He rose from the grave at the fullness of time and he will return for his church at the fullness of time. He will return, number three, if you're taking notes. And if our musician, Alicia, if you'd make your way up here. I know we got our children with them and we, lo- we love them, but they, only so far a color sheet can go, right? <laughs> he will return. Why do I believe that he will return? The simple answer is he hasn't been wrong yet. He's got a flawless record. He cannot lie. That's why I believe he will return. He keeps his promises. In the, in the scriptures, I see him keeping promises. In my life, in my testimony, in my background, I see him keeping promise after promise after promise. And and when it says there's a still small voice saying this is the way walk ye in it, you can live by that. And you don't have to know what's going to happen. You don't have to know all the variables and how everything's going to turn out. I know the one that is leading me. I know the one that I'm close to. I know that everything I need will be provided for by him. If he requires something from me, he is going to provide it. And he has not failed. He rose from the grave. He has conquered death, hell, sin, and the grave through him, I made a new creation in Christ Jesus. I believe that because I know who I was dead in my trespass and sin. And I see what he can do with my life when it's surrendered to him. I have a peace. I don't feel or fear death. I don't see God as an angry person in the sky ready to smack me down next time I make a mistake. I see him as my father who gave me opportunity though i though i deserved hell and his judgment and wrath he gave me opportunity to walk and surrender to him and enter into fellowship with him he gave me a blessed hope that he's coming back and i believe him why do i look forward to his return hebrews tells us that he appears to those that look for him so i'm looking I'm looking, I pray that I would love the day of the Lord's return. I believe his promises. In 1 John and 14, starting in verse one, Jesus tells his disciples, these are the words of Christ. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you unto myself so that where I am, there you may be also. Those are the words of Jesus Christ. And just like Isaiah and the 700-year gap between Isaiah's prophecy of Christ and his return, we're in a gap between this promise and the return of Christ. But at the fullness of time, believer, at the fullness of time, he will return. Why else do I look for his return? Because I long to be free. I long to be free. Free from shame, free from sin, free from the the memories of the stupid stuff that I did free from regret, free to be in the full manifest presence of God where the resplendent glory of the lamb is such that there is no need for a sun, there is no shadow, I long for that. He will return at the fullness of time. He will return. just as he arrived at the fullness of time, just as he rose at the fullness of time, he will return. Are you ready to meet him? Is there anyone here that would say I'm not ready? Is there anyone here that's being brought to a moment where the fullness of time has arrived in your life, where the Father is calling you, the Spirit is quickening you, maybe your heart's racing, maybe you're uncertain, maybe you think you have to have it all together before you come. It's a very simple thing. We are born into sin. There's nothing we can do to earn salvation. All of us are rightly judged and recipients of God's wrath. But in his great mercy, he made a way through his son, Jesus, that came, that he would bear our penalty. And through faith and surrender in him, repenting and turning from our sins and walking with him, we go from being dead in our trespass and sin to being alive in a new creation in Christ. It's a simple thing, but it's a profound thing. It's simple, but it's monumental. Are you ready for him to return? If you're not, I plead with you this morning. The altars are open. Would you come? You don't have to get everything perfect. You don't have to appear to have it all together. He gives you beauty for ashes. He is a great God. If you, want to trade foolish stories, I promise, if you think you're too far gone, if you think your questions disqualify you, if you think your doubts disqualify you, believer, they don't. Skeptic, they don't. Son or daughter that's turned and walked away, those things do not disqualify you. Would you come? Would you bring it to the feet of the cross? Is there anyone That feels It's the fullness of time Fullness of time and foolishness And a turning To God Where you at Who's the one that would come home God gave you his best. He sent his son. He has arrived. He has risen. He will return. God bless you, church family.
1: Church family, would you stand with us this morning? As we go out from our service this morning, and Jason, what an articulate, timely word. Thank you so much. We're living in that expectation. Now, our confidence is based on his faithfulness. Don't forget tonight, five to five thirty. Uh, some would say, "They go, well, Pastor, if you're if you're just going to do half hour, why why would you even do it?" You know, I think the Lord knows everything from our motives to our intentions and the coordination of family. It's not fitting in a moment for Him. It's saying, "I wouldn't do the moment without you." And if you're able to come, at least not a guilt thing, but 5 to 5.30, we're going to take communion. And we're just going to say, just wanted to let you know that there's no place we'd rather be, oh Lord. Final thought before we dismiss. I heard the voice, uh, the, the scripture in my heart when Jason was preaching. And it said, if from this you would turn, turn towards God and search for me, you will find me. That word thence is a broad, broad term. Say wherever you find yourself, if you'll pivot from that spot and turn towards the Lord, let me tell you how I've learned Him to be. When I turn and start to walk, He runs. And He forgives and restores and redeems. Father, we love You today. Christ you're our Lord ain't nobody else Holy Spirit we thank you for your abiding presence in us as we go out from this building Lord with its joys and challenges (laughs) with the juggling of our schedules Lord can I say it with those we like and those we don't like that we're going to have to engage would you O Lord allow us to have a grace that would keep you preeminent in all things and to the sorrowful Let them find you this season nearer and a closest friend. I thank you today, Lord, for our home church, for our family and our blessings, and for another year anticipating the soon and imminent return of Jesus Christ for us. And all of God's people said, amen. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas.